go ahead and stay standing. One of my uh, favorite paintings is by this uh, this painter named Kenneth Wyatt, and he paints these uh, he paints these western scenes, right? And so Kenneth Wyatt painted this one of this uh, this church out in the middle of the countryside, right? And it's the middle of winter, and there's all kinds of snow banks and uh, and uh, just icicles, and it's just it's covered in snow, right? And outside of it is uh, outside of it is three horses that are tied up and one lantern that's on. And in small words, right under the painting is the words, the faithful few. So this is about as bad as weather gets in Las Cruces and you guys are here today. So I'm happy to have you, the faithful few. So if y'all will, will you pray with me for the sermon? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be gathered here today. God, the, the hail was a little much, but we're so thankful for the rain in this area. It's just a um, to be under your, your thunder and, your, and your, your majesty, God, just makes us feel small, but lets us know that you're real, and we're thankful for that. God, tonight as we, uh, as we look at the cross, as we look at the story of your son, I pray that you will just um, you will use the words that you have prepared for the, um, to fall on soft hearts and anything else just fall silently to the floor. In your son's name I pray. Amen. One more thing. The way we're going to start AFC for uh, at least as long as I'm the campus minister here is with the God's Child Yell. So let's claim some identity with this. Repeat after me, but do it with some energy. Are you ready? I am God's Child. I am somebody. Because God don't make no junk. Amen? Amen? Amen. Y'all can have a seat. don't know what your day looked like. I don't know what your week looked like. I don't know about your month or how your semester is going for most of you. But I do know what I'm about to read right now is the most important thing that you'll ever hear in your whole entire life. I do know that about every single person in the world. In the world what you're about to hear is the most important thing you'll ever hear. You ready? after the disciples heal a crippled man. Oh, Israelites, why does this take you by such complete surprise? And why stare at us as if our power or piety made the crippled man walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his son Jesus, the very one that Pilate called innocent, you condemned. You condemned the holy one, the just one, and you asked for a murderer in his place. You no sooner killed the author of life than God raised him from the dead and were the witnesses. Faith in Jesus' name put this man, the cripple, whose condition you knew so well on his feet. Yes, faith and nothing but faith put this man healed and whole right before your eyes. And now, friends, I know you had no idea what you were doing when you killed Jesus, and neither did your leaders. But God, who through the preaching of all the prophets, had said all along that his Messiah would be killed. He knew exactly what you were doing, and he used it to fulfill his plans. Now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God so he can wipe away your sins, pour out showers of blessings to refresh you, and send the Messiah he prepared for you, namely Jesus. For the time being, he must remain out of sight in heaven until everything is restored to order again, the way God, through the preaching of his holy prophets of old, said it would be. Moses, for instance, said, your God will raise up for you a prophet just like me from your family. Listen to every word he speaks to you. Every last living soul who refuses to listen to that prophet will be wiped out from the people. 
And in conclusion, all the prophets from Samuel on down said the same thing, said most emphatically that these days would come. The prophets, along with the covenant God made with your ancestors, are your family tree. God's covenant word to Abraham provides the text, by your offspring, all of the families of earth will be blessed. But you are first in line. God, having raised up his son, sent him to bless you as you turn, one by one, from your evil ways. I hope everybody is doing well tonight. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Matt, and I work with the college students here at Aggies for Christ um, every week. And if you've been coming here for years, or if this is your first night, I think the words that you just heard were the most important that you'll ever hear in your life. More important than when your name is called on your high, school or gra- your high school or college graduation. More important than the words, will you marry me or I do. More important than it's a boy, it's a girl, or it's quadruplets. More important than all of this. The word you just heard was the gospel being preached. The Bible, that wasn't me. But if I were to break it down a little bit, it would look something like this. God gave his son... We killed him. Then God raised him from the dead, and the prophets predicted this would happen. And it had to happen to wipe away our sins, and heaven is waiting for those who believe. Now turn your face to God and away from your evil ways. Why do these words not excite us more? Why, do, why is it more exciting for us to hear the words like you're in a new relationship, or uh, you got a good grade on a test, or you landed a new job. Why does stuff like that excite us more than the words of the gospel? On social media today, we put up this, this picture that said good news or big news or something like that. I had five texts today and two people come into my office asking, what's the news, what's the news? And the fact that some people are going to be disappointed that the answer was the gospel? Why is that? It is Taylor Gobble's birthday, so that's a big deal. That's some good news. But besides that, Besides that, why aren't we more excited about the gospel? On the next slide, I think, I think we have two barriers to the gospel. One is we don't understand. We don't understand the gospel. But the second thing is we don't believe the gospel. Maybe we have a problem believing the gospel. Well, I want to take care of one of these tonight, the understanding one. But I pray, and this sermon has been prayed over, that hopefully we can tackle both of these, that we can understand and that we can believe. So to do that, we're going to continue with our sermon series called Definition. Now, what Definitions has been about is it's, about, it's a series of sermons that takes this Christian lingo that we use, these, these cliche Christian words that maybe we throw out and maybe we don't exactly know exactly what they mean. So the first week we talked about the word sin, and we analyzed, like, man, maybe some of these things that we're doing are keeping us from a more full relationship with God. Maybe these things that I hadn't thought about, maybe, maybe that's sin. And then the next week we kind of made it feel a little bit better, and we talked about the word grace, and that God is always accepting of us even though most of the time, we're unacceptable. And then last year, we looked at, or last year, last week, we looked at this really cool word, word called testimony. And we talked about the idea that our stories, the instant that we're saved, our stories, they mean something. They mean something to, about what has, God has done or what he's doing in your life, and that was the testimony. But tonight, I'm going to close this series out with the most important word, the most important concept that we could ever study, and that word is the gospel. So tonight, on the next slide, we're going to offer an admittingly oversimplified definition of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. 
the good news of Jesus Christ. But I, I think it is oversimplified. It, it can't stop there, um, and oftentimes it does. So when we look at the gospel, when we look at this definition that we've given it, we have to stop and we have to analyze and say, the good news of the gospel is not just that you were forgiven of your sins. The good news of the gospel is not just that you're justified as if you never sinned or that you're sanctified, that you're always going to get better. The good news of the gospel has to lead to something better. It has to lead to something better, and that something better is an eternity with Jesus. So a question we have to ask ourselves tonight when we're talking about the gospel and the truth that it holds is this. If heaven had everything that you ever wanted, cars, clothes, gold, sex, whatever it is for you, but it didn't have the presence of Jesus, would you want it? Would you want it? It's a question we have to ask ourselves tonight. Oh, the Christian that has really studied the Bible, the mature Christian that knows about what the presence of Jesus is going to be like and um, that tries to interpret Scripture and tries to kind of grasp heaven knows that the answer has to be the presence of Jesus is what we want. Forgiveness of my sins here on earth? Yes. Very good thing. Justification? Yes. Good thing. The fact that we are given the Bible as a guide to comfort us and, and guide us through this life? Yes. Again, a very good thing. But what makes the gospel exciting is that all of these parts, along with the promise of the eternity, is what makes the gospel what it is. Now, you've heard from, uh, you've heard from Scripture. You heard from Acts chapter 3. That's what I read just a minute ago. But now I have, a, I don't know, I just have an affection for spoken word. I think it's really cool. So there's this, um, there's this Christian rap label called Humble Beast, and they have uh, their number one artist is a guy named Propaganda, and he has this really cool spoken word video that we're going to watch right now. So I want to go ahead and, uh, sorry, I just threw that on her. We're going to go ahead and we're going to play this video. We're going to cut the lights. I think it's a really good definition of the gospel. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes, God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, Thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept, so cold. It's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond. Creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job and odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working and used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny. Our, yes. Our sins. It's nature inherited. Black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? 
Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It'll need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer, an asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe, but all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection, good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank, but you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list, cause even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying, it's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back, you owe him. Eternally separated, and the only way to fix it is someone die in your place, and that someone gotta be perfect, or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness. His death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in Him, and Him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God our sins, paying everyone life. So you heard it from scripture, Acts chapter 3. You heard it from propaganda in a really cool spoken word video. Now a third way, just through preaching. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We're in this broken, this broken scenario where our, the, the sins of our heart, the, the blackness of our heart, it, needs, it needed a perfect Savior. It needed that cross. We desperately needed that cross. Now, it had to be a perfect sacrifice. You heard it in the video. It, it couldn't have been just anybody. It had to be somebody that was perfect, and he did. And he did it for us. 
by his blood, we're forgiven, we're justified, we're sanctified, which just means we're, we're, uh, we're justified as if we never sinned, we're sanctified, which means we're going to get closer to God throughout this whole life, but we're never going to quite get there. But the good news of the gospel, the good news of the gospel is that we get to spend eternity in the presence of Jesus. In a place so perfect, so amazing that we can't comprehend it if we tried. But right there, right when I start talking about heaven, right when I start talking about eternity, I've been in these seats before. It's when you turn it off a little bit, right? Heaven, eternity, forever. Like, I get it. I, I used to sit in these seats. We want sermons sometimes that just like, man, man, give me something biblical from the Bible about how I can be a better boyfriend this week. Give me something from the Bible about how I can prepare myself to be a godly man or a godly woman. Give me an attaboy slap on the back to get me through this week, but we don't need to talk about heaven. We don't need to talk about eternity. The book of Revelations, Daniel, all, the, all these books that talk about prophecy and about heaven, too confusing. I'm going to worry about that in my old age. I'm going to worry about eternity when that day comes. But can't do that. And personally, I can't do that. With this stage and this microphone tonight and this platform that I've been given, I, I just can't do that. For me personally, recently, the line between this life and the next, it started to get a little thinner. Just from things that I've seen recently. Uh, one of my favorite um, preachers, he told me one time that the reason why he likes funerals, the reason why he likes going to funerals is because for a moment in time, You can be at that funeral, you can be looking at that casket, at that hole in the ground, at that gravestone, and everybody there, whether you're a believer or not, has to wonder for at least one second, man, I wonder where that person is. I wonder where they went. I wonder if there's somewhere to go. And eternity is placed in our heads. Have to start thinking about it at funerals, right? Well, I didn't... uh, I didn't go to a funeral this week. I haven't haven't been to one in, in a month or so, but... But recently, for me anyways, I started to notice this line between this life and the next getting a little more thin. Did you guys watch the news last night? Did you see that, that crazy guy in Albuquerque, the road rage? Driving down the highway, mad about driving, and he starts firing bullets into the back of a car and hits a four-year-old in the head, dead. Yesterday, I took, a, um, I took a walk to Spirit Winds, you know, the coffee shop on Loka right here, and I was walking back, and uh, in our back parking lot back here where, where we park cars, um, there, was a, there was a student um, that was laying flat on her back being resuscitated by the, uh, by the, fire, um, the fire department, the paramedics that had arrived. And we later found out that it was a very sweet girl that, that didn't make it. That was yesterday right here. Uh, the next picture I slide right here. My cousin Randy this week, she had a baby. Um, this, is a li- this is Alice Hart um, Murphy. She was born at 23 weeks. If you don't know anything about pregnancy, that's 17 weeks early. This is one pound Alice Hart. And she's four years old today and she's still fighting. Now at 23 weeks, um, that's right where the doctors say between 23 and 25, that's right at the cusp of whether a baby can make it or not when they're born that premature. A couple of days here, a couple of days there. Not sure she would have made it. She's still not sure. She's, she's fighting for her life. The line is getting so thin. 
and maybe it's just a place in my life where I'm starting to recognize it, but the line between this life and the next, it's, it could be like that. Sometimes when, uh, sometimes when I'm going through these, uh, you know, running through these emotions and these things that are happening, these tough things that are happening in people's lives, like, yeah, at times I just want to bury my head under a rock and say, forget it. Forget it. This is too hard. But then I'm, remem- I'm reminded of the faith that I claim, and it makes me want to climb to the top of this building and yell across the street to that camp that there's more going on here. There's more going on here, and there's more to come. The frailty of life should rock us. The reality of eternity should awaken us to just how good and just how important the gospel is. The gospel is very important. So tonight, there's two types of people in the room, as there's always two types of people in a room like this. There's the group that maybe, uh, maybe this message didn't mean that much, still maybe the gospel being presented in three different ways, maybe it didn't just grip us. If it did, I would suggest listening to the words of propaganda again. Do you guys hear that part where he said, defending the existence of God is like defending a lion, he doesn't need your help? Just unlock the cage. To unlock the cage this week, I would look to the skies. If you didn't feel small in that hailstorm today, bigger person than me. If you didn't wonder about the author of creation when you saw those vivid colors on the rainbows this week, man, more power to you. But I sat there in awe when I saw those rainbows these past couple days. I felt small when that thunder just shook the house. I felt scared when the lightning stretched across the sky from as far as I could see. Unlock the cage. And once we unlock the cage and once we start looking at this like, man, maybe God, maybe this God thing does make sense. Maybe it really does. Well, then what would we do if I'd crack open the Word of God? And I'd start looking at the Word of God and every single page from Genesis to Revelation points to the gospel. It's all about the cross. It's always been about the cross. It's about Jesus and what he did on the cross. And so if I'm going to if I'm going to find out that God is who he says he is, I'm going to read his word. I'm going to find out it's about the cross. So if you're having some questions tonight, if the gospel didn't grip you tonight and you have some questions, can we talk? Can we talk? And if it did grip you, I'm going to be in the back of the room tonight, and I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to answer questions for you. If you're still doubting, man, I love apologetics. I love defending the faith, even though I can't defend that line, but I do like to try. So if you have some questions, let's talk or let's pray. But if you're the other type of people in the room tonight, you're a Christian, you know what God did for you, you know what that cross means, then tonight it's time to celebrate. It's time to celebrate again. It's time to restore joy into our lives. It's time to put away the stresses of school and the stresses of work and relationships, and it's time to restore the joy of our salvation. It says that in Psalms, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It's time to party. Christians should throw the best parties because we have the most to celebrate. So tonight, you're welcome to come to, uh, you're welcome to, come to Taylor's house. We're going to have tea at Taylor's once again. This is our Christian house party that we have here. It's his birthday tonight. We're going to celebrate that, but more importantly, we're going to celebrate the joy of our salvation, that there's more to this life than what we see. We're going to seek a more full life in God because the truth of the gospel, the best news that you'll ever hear is that God is good even when we are not and he's preparing a spot for us. Amen? Let's celebrate. Will you pray with me?
Dear Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for your son. I'm so thankful for the truth that's in your word, that you are who you say you are, that you are the great I am. God, I am blown away by what you're doing in this area this week with the weather. I feel small, and I'm so thankful for that. Lord, I pray tonight that the truth of your gospel, presented in three different ways, God, I pray that one of them gripped at least one soul in here because we know that this kingdom of God rejoices when one sinner repents. God, I pray for everybody in the room tonight, whether they're saved or not or asking questions or whatever it is, God, I pray that tonight we can celebrate the good news, that we can ask questions, that we can know that you are who you say you are and your son did on that cross what he said he did. And we're thankful for that. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.